in episode 146. And I'll never forget, you know, how angry I was after like trying something. I think it was just like a run of the mill little vibrator or something like that that goes up there about how angry I was at society for like basically conditioning me to like ignore this pleasure factory on my body. It's just as much of your right to feel secure in your sexuality and identity. And it's just as, you know, it equally applies to her. And one of the things that she said towards the end was one of the most hurtful, you know, after I laid everything out for her, all the childhood stuff and et, et cetera, she was like, just kind of sitting there in a rocking chair. And she goes, well, I just don't understand why people can't be happy about or can't be proud of who they are. And I threw up my hands and I was like, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, and she, she got where I was coming from, but, but. Now that's Lindsay, AKA Linz, a 35 year old trans person from Texas who comes on the podcast to tell her story. It's a two-parter, but this is part one of my curious conversation with Linz. So you ready for it? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Cross, yes, podcast, which is Elm here, so. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to the Cross, yes, podcast. The podcast that still says yes to everything cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender-related. It's me, your girl, Giselle. I'm back after a pretty long hiatus. Sorry I've been away for a bit. If you heard my most recent episode with Billy kind of explains why. I'll try my best to be here more, but life be just busy, you know? I'm just so busy! In this episode, though, I've got the wonderful, terrific powerhouse of a trans person that is Linz. My curious convo with Linz is a conversation that is long overdue for this podcast. Linz is a trans person that I have to apologize so much for because I've held on to this episode for so long and not released it. I think we did this episode freaking nine to ten months ago when I told her back then that I would post it immediately, but I just couldn't for some reason. Blame it on my laziness, my lack of focus, whatever. I just have to apologize to her. I apologize to you, Linz. I'm so sorry. I apologize to you, the Cross Yas listener, for being away for so long. And I don't know, the world, I apologize because people's story like Linz's needs to be heard. And it's really needed in the world, especially today. I apologize for that. I really feel bad for, I don't know, being a dis, for not giving her a story because it's like a disservice to the world. But I'm here now. She has a lot to say. Linz, you're so great. She's a trans person from Texas who's also a parent. She's socially transitioning. You'll hear that she's also on hormones. And she's got some dysphoria as well. This is a story you definitely have to hear. And without further ado, here's part one of my curious convo with Linz. Enjoy. Uh, Linz, uh, welcome to the Cross Yas podcast, girl. How are you? Hey, Giselle, I'm great. So happy to be here. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, I know nothing about you. Literally, I know nothing about you. You just reached out <laughs> like last mm-hmm. week on the podcast. Can you tell us, uh, tell me and the Cross Yas listener who you are and what brings you to the podcast? Yeah, so my name is Lindsay. I am from the South, a small conservative town in Texas. I'm 35 years old white, pretty much just until four or five months ago, I was your average, what I thought, cis, hetero, um, pretty much cookie cutter, you know, male with every privilege you can imagine. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, um, things started to change and, um, here I am. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what changed, uh, I guess 
earlier this year. Uh, yeah, what changed for you exactly? What do you mean you were this person and now you're a different person, I guess? What does that mean? Yeah, so I think the the story of my transition and experience is kind of a, kind of a study on repression. You know, um, I didn't quite understand that word until I'd kind of like, you know, been down the process of this. And, you know, this has been like such a complete journey, you know, like, um, you know, the, the egg metaphor is used a lot. Um, I'd say when I, I hatched on uh, May 19th, 2021, but it kind of more or less started maybe a full year before then is these signs that like started very small that I didn't quite understand. Um, and, you know, essentially I've been this person my entire life, but again, like, so much repression worked in there um, till you know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't able to see it until like I kind of come along and everything like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I would say, you know, um, this really all kind of started maybe like probably about a year ago, about when quarantine started. Um, you know, we all got the uh, stimulus checks and everything. And, you know, there's kind of that, that, urge to want to blow a little bit, you know, at least treat yourself a little bit. Um, and I've always been like kind of in the BDSM community and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm married and stuff and, uh, my wife's kind of vanilla, but we've always kind of worked it out and, uh, gotten, you know, made sure she's taken care of, make sure I'm taken care of sort of thing, but we never really met great on that ground. But when quarantine started, um, I was looking at like sex toys on a sex toy site and I didn't, you know, I'd never, never tried anything like a butt plug or anything like that in my life. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, you can't do that. It makes you gay. Like you're not allowed to like go back there. That's sort of like hetero, you know, the word heteronormative never meant anything to me until recently either. Like I'd never even heard the word. Um, but you know, I was, you can't do that, you know. Um, but when quarantine rolled around, just something—I don't know—something in the air. I was just like, no, I'm, I'm going to do that, you know. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not going to like hide it from my wife either. She doesn't have to participate, but you know, I'm going to try it out. And I'll never forget, you know, how angry I was after like trying something. I think it was just like a run-of-the-mill little vibrator or something like that that goes up there. About how angry I was at society for like basically conditioning me to like ignore this pleasure factory on my body for these ideas of like, no, you can't do that. It's not masculine or, you know, it makes you something that you don't want to be like those, you know, and, and th again, that's why I always kind of point to this repression thing. Cause I have so many repressed things. Um, you know, I'm, I went to school for philosophy and everything like sort of a, a searching for answers, kind of a journey. And so I consider myself like, you know, fairly woke and stuff and like, you know, a deep thinker and all this, but like, here I was at 34 years old, just now discovering something that had been there my whole life, all because of this like conditioning that society had done to me. And like, I was just so upset about that you know, that I had like fallen victim to that kind of brainwashing. But I tried that um, and it kind of just became a little bit, the, I, you know, being penetrated kind of like just became a, a repertoire and like, you know, just masturbation and stuff and everything like that, you know, just not too big a deal on its own. Um, but, you know, time goes by and then around January, you know, around the, the capital insurrection and all that stuff, there was something else that clicked in me where I couldn't have facial hair. All of a sudden I would wake up and I'd go to work. As soon as I got home, I would use my buzzer and like shave that, that stuff down real short and um, never quite understood, you know, what that was about either. But I just knew that I couldn't have facial hair and I just like 
we'll figure it out is, you know, all these dudes storming the Capitol have these like thick beards and it's, and I know beards are in right now. And I don't know. I just was like, Oh, I just need to separate myself from that. But I didn't understand that either. But, uh, but yeah, like things had kind of like been working towards this event, which, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, understanding their transness kind of, you know, is something they've always had or, it's something that like, you know, they're more keenly aware of, um, which I guess you could say I was, but again, repression. And, you know, I didn't understand really what that word meant until I've seen kind of how it's affected my life. But so basically we had like a discount store open up here in town um, in about April and me and my wife went and we were shopping, uh, you know, for like sexy underwear for her. And uh, it was like pretty discounty store and they had a pair of underwear that was mislabeled as um, XL, but it wasn't XL. And so, you know, she got it home, looked, you know, took one look at it and was like, oh, that's not going to fit me, you know? And so she put it in the car to, to return and it sat in the console of her car for about two weeks, just like burning this small, like it started like a magnifying glass, you know, up to the sun, like started this little hole in my mind that just like burned and burned over those two weeks. And there was just one night where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go look at them. And if it looks like they're my size, I'm going to try them on. And there was this little voice in my head that like, and I don't know, you know, this voice has kind of always been in my head, but it was just something that warned me about like a, a jokingly like, oh, you're going to have an awakening or something like that. And I don't know if that was like a TV trope or if I'd seen that on a show growing up about, you know, somebody who was like, oh yeah, I just tried on underwear and discovered I was a woman, you know, like. I don't know where that idea was in my head, but like that voice was very clear of like, you know, joking, like, Oh, if you do that, like beware, but like, yeah, there was, and so there was a day I was, you know, at work and I decided I was going to come home. And uh, if they looked like they fit me, I would just try them on and, you know, maybe like, you know, you know, masturbate or something like, you know, I, I'd been, I'd seen like, you know, um, like, you know, the, the sissy porn and all that stuff. And, Although I never like identified with that or really like got off on any of that stuff. Um, you know, I get it, you know, the forced feminization and all that stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in the kink community and I know what I like and what I don't and everything like that. And, you know, just because I, I'm not into something doesn't mean I think it's like disgusting or appalling or anything like that. Like, you know, I've seen the subreddits and all that, but I very clearly didn't really identify with that. But, um, I got coffee. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I tried on that. Uh, well, I, I looked at the underwear and I was like, yeah, it looked like it fit me. And I tried it on. And while I didn't have like this cliche, like awakening per se, um, what I thought was that I needed more basically. And uh, so like I went and got my wife's like thigh high socks, you know, and like tried those on. Then, you know, it hit me in a certain way but not the way you might expect where like, you know, put them on and I was like, Oh my God, I'm a woman. Like it wasn't anything like that. But that first night when I did it, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there in like, uh, you know, underwear and socks and uh, my dog or something like that is, is barking. And, you know, once my wife is in bed for the night, that's usually when I, you know, do stuff and everything. And I go to bed a few hours later, but her getting up out of bed and like coming to the living room is pretty much unheard of. But she did it that night and I like leapt out of the couch and like hid behind it. And she came out and was like, did you hear Zoe barking? And I was just like, oh yeah, but she's fine. And she was like, could tell something was up. And I was like, oh no, 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 it's cool. Like, no, it's good. But, uh, and then she, you know, she went back in the room, but there was that exact moment where I was like, okay, there's something going on here. And I 
cannot hide it because that was too stressful. And, uh, you know, if I get caught doing something that I don't understand, how can I even attempt to explain it to her, you know? And this is, you know, and it's weird talking about that mindset because I'm so far from it now, but that idea of like being a cis man married, you can't share that stuff. Or it's just like, you know, if my wife sees me, she's going to leave me, you know, that, you know, I, I know a lot of people struggle with that. You know, a lot of people remain in the closet for years or they don't allow themselves to, you know, fully come around to themselves because they're married with kids, you know, and, you know, we've got a small, a small kid too, you know, she was about one and a half at the time. So, you know, nothing to, you know, and I, I feel bad for, you know, I hear some of your guests that have slightly older children and they're afraid to, you know, come out to them and stuff. And they're maybe like six and seven. And yeah, like I, I have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was a thing right there where I was just like, well, I gotta, I gotta own up to this like tomorrow. <laughs> um, Ooh, and, okay. And yeah. then did you, did you, did you do it? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I sat her okay. down and I was just like, you know, look, this is going to be, um, yeah, I don't really know how to tell you this, but you know, I, you'd had that underwear in your car for a while and, you know, I thought I'd, I'd try it on and, um, you know, I did. And, uh, you know, and th that's why when you came out last night, like I was all skitzed out and, uh, you know, she was like, Oh yeah. You know, I thought, you know, that seemed a little weird and everything. Um, and so I, I presented it, you know, as, as like, I, I guess maybe I'm into cross-dressing. Like, you know, that was, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's the only thing, you know, the only word I had for it, you know, it's like, I've always known, you know, about transgender people and transitioning and everything. But like, again, you know, repression, like I had, like, I was aware of these things, but it's like, I, my brain never allowed me to consider them, like think on them or anything like that. They would always kind of like a breeze passing through, you know, two open windows, like just in my head and out, like, you know, I'm, I'm aware of them, but I'm not allowed to like close the windows and just smell that air. Like there was something, you know, I think I described Ooh. it to you, the, to you in emails, maybe like a survival mechanism. Like there was, there's something in me that would not allow me to see what, what I was or what, you know, allow me to feel these feelings that I was having my whole life, basically. And nothing, and nothing in your life, like if you did have something like, was it, I mean, you know, repression is obviously there's a lot of reasons for it. Like, you know, if you're deeply, deeply closeted or, you know, you're so deeply um, pushing things away in order for you to acknowledge it. Like there was nothing in your life that, you know, in your upbringing where, I don't know if it was family or friends or, you know, was there hatred? Was there, uh, something against those kinds of feelings in your life? Like, were you, were you religious? You know, were, was there, you know, just anything that was breaking down <laughs> your ability to accept what it is you accepted, I guess this year? <laughs> no. Well, so there was a pretty, pretty huge thing uh, when I was like 11, 12, 13, 14, that like seeing it in the light now, like I was very clear, but, um, but, you know, I, I grew up, uh, with a dad in the, in the military, you know, very kind of like, um, you know, he was high ranking naval dude and, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't too hard or anything, but he was a very kind of a, you know, stern guy. Um, not too bad, but my parents divorced when I was about seven or eight and they split and, you know, I have an older brother too. Um, maybe, you know, I was just, you know, wanting to, my, my brother and my dad were always much closer than I was. And I, I always just kind of say my dad didn't know how to like talk to me or deal with me. Cause I was always very different from my brother. It was very thoughtful, um, very quiet. Um, you know, I, I observed a lot when I was small and, you know, I, it's like I had to train 
what trained this out of myself. Like, cause you know, I was always very, my whole life, like very obsessed with like girls, you know, ever since I was in second grade, like, and I, I wasn't able to untangle these emotions until, you know, recently, but like the way I felt about girls when I was in second grade was like all at once I wanted to, um, be friends with them, which, you know, little boys aren't supposed to play with little girls. Um, I want, I was in love with them. Like, you know, I, I guess you could say I'm fit the bill of like a, a lesbian. And so, you know, growing up, attracted women, you know, straight male, gay girl, like they look pretty much the same on paper. Um, and I wanted to be them, you know, um, and, and I never quite understood my obsession with girls until, you know, lately when I just kind of was able to untake, you know, gender envy, the idea of gender envy and stuff like that. Um, but I, I trained that out of myself, maybe for like my dad and brother's approval was that, you know, I needed to be a boy. Um, and so, um, but no, when I would, you know, my mom, you know, kind of comes from a small East Texas town and, you know, a little religious, like she claims to be, you know, a Christian and all that, but she never once took me to church in my life, which, you know, I always thanked her very much for never doing that. Um, but no, my mom was very kind of hands off, you know, when, when my, after my dad left and it was just me, my brother and her, like, uh, there was really, you know, she's very, very laissez faire, um, you know, which I appreciate and it's pr probably a little too hands off, um, but allowed me to grow and, and kind of, you know, become my own person and everything like that. But, um, no, I, I don't know. Nobody beat it out of me. Nobody, you know, um, I had no conception of transgender people. Like, um, like there was a, a guy in our local town growing up, uh, like we could be at the grocery store when I was little and it was this guy in a blue dress. And, uh, you know, I say guy in a blue dress because this is, this is, for everything else, he looked like a cowboy. Like he had a big handlebar mustache, <laughs> like, but he just, you know, older gruff looking dude. And he just always had this blue dress on. And like my mom never like, you know, leaned over and said, Oh, get away from him. Or, Oh, look at that pervert or, you know, mm -hmm, laughed mm -hmm. or, you know, never any context. And, you know, I don't know, you know, if that kind of colored a certain way, but like nobody seemed to notice him, but I noticed him, you know? Um, right. Right. But, um, yeah, no, it, it never got beat out of me or anything like that. Um, but you know, one thing, the, the thing, you know, so this started out with the cross-dressing and, um, you know, I, I decided I needed more clothes. Um, I, I tried a skirt after the socks and underwear. And then I was like, well, you know, I'd kind of like to have like a top too. And, you know, that was a, another thing, another little seed that, or, you know, hammering on the shell that got it to crack was like, you know, a month or two prior to me, you know, hatching on May 19th was, a. You know, we were shopping at Walmart, me and my wife, and uh, they had like a cool like uh, Nickelodeon shirt in the women's section, a long sleeve, like with rugrats and all that stuff. And like, I was like, oh, nice. that's so cool. Nice. Yeah. And she was like, well, we'll get it. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's in the women's section. She was like, so like, who cares <laughs> if you like it, get it. And I was like, all right, you know, and, and so, you know, after I tried the skirt, I was like, well, you know, I could use a top. And so I, I went and just grabbed that women's shirt just for the, you know, it wasn't very feminine, but it was just for the fact that it was from the women's section. It was important. Um, you know, I tried that on and like, that's when it started, like the euphoria and stuff. And like, I started to feel like, you know, look at myself in the mirror and, and, you know, I, I, I officially shaved my head at the beginning of COVID. Like my hair was thinning. Mm bad you know and like i i grown up with like long hair like when i was 19 i hung out with a bunch of metal heads and i had the hair down to my middle of my back which 
you know, the story of my life before transition is essentially having all these little like feminine um, things I could get away with. And the long hair was, you know, I was like, well, look, I'm hanging out with all these manly metal dudes. We're going to shows, we're playing shows. Like I couldn't be any less girly, you know, but like for me, I thought I looked beautiful with it, you know? And, um, hmm. but uh, hmm. I tried to go grow it out again when I turned like 30 and um, I was getting long. And then one day I was standing in a convenience store buy, waiting to buy something. And I look up at the surveillance camera and it's pointed at the back of my head. And I see just how bad my ball spot was getting and uh, you know, my <laughs> hair was thinning. And I was just like, that's me. Oh my God, I can't do this, you know, and then COVID hit and you couldn't get a haircut. And so I was like, okay, sweetie, just, just shave it, just get rid of it, you know? Um, but it was particularly hard looking at myself with the shaved head. And, um, but you know, the next step after the shirt, I was like, you know, I'd like a little shape up top, like I can get like a wire bra and like stuff it. And, um, but then I ordered a wig off Amazon, like a cheap, like $20 blonde wig. And um, that, yeah, that's, you know, my wife, when she, you know, this was maybe like four or five days into the cross-dressing where we're both like figuring out what this is and stuff. And I think she's starting to have like internal concerns about like how into it I am. But uh, she was at work when she saw that I had ordered the wig and um, it probably didn't help that the picture of the wig on Amazon, like it's on a mannequin's head and it looks like lifeless and you know what I mean? Like (laughs) an alien and like uh, she saw it and she texted me and was like, did you order like something off Amazon? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, text me back. Well, let me know when you order like girl stuff, like just so I'm not like shocked or whatever. I could tell she was like slightly (laughs) upset about that, but you know, after I got it and tried it on, like, uh, she, she was like, Oh, well, you know, that's not near as bad as I thought. And, but that was basically me. Um, you know, like teen, as I'd say, like, you know, I've grown up in like fast forward the last four, four months, but that was me like as a teen teenager, you know, like entering the world as a, you know, wobbly legged deer. <laughs> so it sounds like your wife, seems pretty supportive but also kind of kind of hesitant i don't know what i mean what it's been we're almost five months since your uh coming out uh hatching date <laughs> if you will mm-hmm. um what is that now like exactly um so i say the first month was the hardest now um you know just jumping ahead to now she is my biggest supporter um you know i've she picks me up when i'm you know down it's you know some days are harder than others. Um, you know, she's there for me for the good ones and the bad ones. Like she is my biggest advocate and, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, I use the word survival mechanism before, but you know, I don't know if I could have done it without her. Um, you know, it's just, this is extremely difficult for not, you know, not just me, but for anybody. And I couldn't imagine not having somebody there to validate me and like see me and allow me to encourage me to grow. Um, you know, yeah, again, the first month, month and a half was pretty rough. You know, we had some pretty low lows. Um, we, you know, we, the word, you know, divorce did get brought up a couple of times, um, you know, the separation, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, we did separate our finances, but, but for other, you know, reasons, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was really tough and, um, you know, not, you know, I, and, you know, when this started and everything and like uh, jumping ahead to when I knew I was trans, you know, I started out saying there's going to be no name change. There will be no voice change. There will be no surgery. There will be no hormones. Um, pretty much all of that changed as time went by. Um, I did not know what this was. I had no idea, but I, I started out staunchly saying like, I'm not changing my name because 
there is no change. I am literally the same person. Like, and, and I still am the same person, but I'm different. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the same. It's, it's, it's a really strange thing. Um, but, but yeah, I didn't quite know what it was. She didn't quite know what it was. And as we kind of grew and learned together and realized, you know, how deep this went to the core of my existence, you know, back to childhood, um, and things like that. And growing up, like it kind of, you know, we got more educated and listened, you know, and, and that's the other thing is like on day, th- you know, the second day after hatching day, I spent all day on a, a website, like a therapy website, like basically just typing out to, to anonymous people and like just soul searching and figuring out, you know, what was going on and what I was feeling and everything. Um, I think on day four, so I work, I work re- or not remote, but I, I go out on my own and do, like uh, I do pest control basically. And so you can sure. just kind of like um, have an earbud in the whole time. And so I listen to podcasts and music and whatever I want. Um, but on like day three or four, I was like, you know, okay, so I'm a cross-dresser. Like let's, let's find a cross-dressing resource. Let's like learn more about this. Cause I don't, I don't know anything about this. And so that's where I found your podcast. Um, it yes. was like, you know, yeah, yeah. The cross yes is one of the first things that came up. And so I started from episode one and uh, just started listening and, you know, got a, a huge amount of just information and, you know, um, other, you know, you talking about your experience and then, um, you know, just getting information about it in general and removing some of that guilt and shame and just, you know, just having it normalized helped a lot. Just realizing that, you know, there I wasn't alone, that it's, you know, and and it's okay, you know? Um, and then, and then I listened to, uh, your interview with Gabby, you know, I think that was your first interview you did with somebody. Um, one of the few ones, one of the early ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Yeah. That three parter or two or three. I can't remember. Um, I think it was three. Yeah. It was pretty long. Yo, she, yeah. (laughs) Like you said, like, Oh yeah. As you can tell why they call her Gabby, like (laughs) Gavin Gabby. Uh huh. Yeah, she could talk. Um, but I listened to that whole thing, and I just remember the whole time thinking, like, "Well, man, those these are this is crazy." But luckily, this isn't me. Like, I don't have to go through this like with my spouse and all these things. Um, but I listened to the whole thing, and uh, you know, it was probably the first thing I listened to with a, a transgender person and kind of really getting their like life experience and stuff. But um. I recently actually went back and listened to it just because I was like, wow, now that I know what I am like and who I am, I should hear this again, you know, because I, I listened to that whole thing and was just like very much like, well, that's not my experience. That's not my life journey, you know, but um, yeah, just uh, having having all that resource, you know, was was pretty huge for me in the beginning. Um, so thank you formally for, you know, making this and putting it out yes. there in the world. Yes, yes. Um. Uh, I'm, 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 this is a new thing. I'm just going to say, let's take a break. Yeah, sure. <laughs> let's take a break. Um, it's me, your girl, Giselle. I'm back. Um, this is like a test commercial thing. Um, this is an extra space. So if anyone wants to fill it up with commercial stuff, first things, I don't know. Um, uh, let me know and I can put your commercial here regarding if you want to promote something or whatnot let me know and i'll put it in this space um yeah and back to the podcast so dang you listened from the beginning there uh lens well well done well done there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of backlog now we have yeah, a lot of- yeah no kidding no there's plenty i haven't i haven't gotten to a lot in the middle oh. you know i listen i listened to a lot of the later ones recently
Ooh, and those are the better ones. Uh, we are way better. The podcast is way better later. Like the early ones are kind of rough. The audio is rough. Um, and again, I only started this because I wanted to tell my cross-dressing sex stories. And then all of a sudden, everybody's <laughs> like, no, we have more. Like other people want to tell their own stories. And I'm like, oh, I should probably have them tell their stories. And now this podcast is less me. It's more you, you wonderful people. And it's it's great. You're telling your story. Um, there's so many things I want to touch on. Like you have so many um, um, things I want to bring up. So you talk to your wife and now you're, uh, well, I guess, how do you identify now after talking to your wife and like what's changed in, I mean, five months, four months, five months. Yeah. Um, so I guess you could say we're, we're more akin to, um, like domestic partners now. Um, whereas, you know, uh, we have more traditionally defined roles. Um, there was, you know, I, I mentioned that sexual incompatibility with the BDSM and vanilla and stuff at the beginning of this year, Okay, so I guess before I mention that, for the last few years, BDSM was something I was able to kind of just put to the side when possible, just for ease of life. So it's not hard, you know, it's not stressful for her because she felt bad about not being able to like match me as good or, you know, get there as good and everything like that. She would still try and everything, but there'd be certain times maybe every six weeks or so when I would desperately need it, like for like seven days, I we used to call it like my moon cycle, basically just, there was something in the air that I needed to do the BDSM stuff um, for like six or seven days. This would last. And then I would just like, quote, get it out of my system. Well, at the beginning of this year, we kind of found a way to like, you know, every night do something either less involved or more involved and like kind of like plan our, you know, have like a, a schedule to where, you know, we have off days or whatever. Um, but we found a way to kind of like make it work to where I was feeling completely satisfied for the first time, you know, in our relationship. And we were doing that for about three or four months, but it, it eventually I, I realized, you know, she was kind of hiding it, um, but it was really hard on her. You know, it was stressful and um, she was, she was unhappy. And I, I was so happy that I didn't realize, you know, how bad it was and everything like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't like horrible bad. It wasn't like akin to abuse or anything. Like she really wanted to be there and to meet me on that ground. And, uh, and, and this is something that didn't come up like after we got married, like we, you know, I was open about that from the very beginning, you know, we've been together for about seven or eight years now. And so it was something that has been there and she was very keen to try and to get on board with it was just proved difficult and anybody who's had that kind of incompatibility can probably understand that but it was it was getting it was getting bad and there there was a lot of different stressors going on at the time but um i remember she took pictures of me like tied up one day and then like the next day when she showed me the and that was her idea too she wanted to do that she's kind of a photographer and everything i just remember looking at them and being shocked because the way I looked in the pictures was not how I felt when I was tied up. And that's, and I guess, you know, I mentioned that there was like these expressions of femininity that I was like getting out, you know, through long hair and different things. Um, I think that, you know, the BDSM was one of them and uh, it was a way, cause I, you know, I felt female, I guess when I was like, you know, in, in predicaments and stuff like that, like there was, you know, something about it, but you know, I remember looking at the hair on my arms and legs and the pictures and just being like, golly, like, that's me. Like I, that's not how I felt at all. But, um, you know, after all this started and everything, like a lot, like that need and that urge and those moon cycles, like they, it's like they evaporated, like the fog of a nightmare had been lifted, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm still into that stuff and everything, 
but it's like, is this person I am now? I'm kind of like rediscovering all that. And um, I don't need it like I used to need it, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So that's actually helped our relationship tremendously, you know, just with the ease of everyday life and everything. And just like knowing, you know, what the expectations are and stuff like that. Like for as, as much as this like kind of shook up our relationship, like, um, you know, we've paradoxically never been stronger. It's, it's the strangest thing. Um, and if I had mm. like, you know, predicted mm. it, I would have said, you're crazy. You know, like, how can that be possible? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you two have built a strong relationship. You've been together for seven, eight years. How long have you been married? Uh, about four. Four years. Yeah. You know, in that seven, eight years, knowing each other, four years of marriage, you know, one year of knowing you're trans. <laughs> um, it, it seems like you two are still strong. I mean, you you also said you have a child together. Mm -hmm. I have got a little uh, one. She just turned two. Oh, yay. Congratulations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what is that like now that you're, well, trans, I guess, what, what's that being a parent as, <laughs> on top of transitioning? I don't know what your transitioning role is well, but yeah. the transitioning part as well as being a parent, what is that like for you? Um, so, you and know, your I wife, I guess, or, signif I or significant other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, uh, some of the some of the practical stuff is a little tricky to navigate. Like she just got, com you know, used to calling me daddy um, when all this happened. And, and like mm. I said, it took me maybe like a full 10 days, I think, before I realized that like I was trans. Um, but, um, you know, and, and at first I was like, well, daddy's fine. But then, you know, I realized I would rather be mommy, you know, and like my wife has always gone by mama. And so we were like, well, you know, you can be mama and I'll be mommy. And, mm. But, you know, and she just recently, maybe a week ago, my daughter finally made the switch. Like she was called, you know, she continued to call me daddy for a while. And it's not like you can get mad at a two year old for that or anything. So, but we just kind of <laughs> yeah. be like, daddy, you know, mom me and then when she if she would say it i'd just get super excited you know um and then for like a week oh. she called me daddy mommy and uh and, and then just recently she's dropped the daddy and uh that's oh. been a huge like mental boost to me and everything like that but you know it's it's the kind of thing you know and like my mom it's like yeah, I came out to her a couple months ago i came out to all my family a couple months ago but Ooh, she was like she okay. you know she yeah. listened to uh you know, an interview with Caitlyn Jenner, of course. And that's like one of the only things she did was listen to that <laughs> oh, interview. God. And she was like, well, Caitlyn says her, her kids will always call her daddy. And that, you know, it's, you know, I'll always be daddy to them. And I was just like, okay, first, <laughs> let's not talk about Caitlyn Jenner. Um, second, just because that's okay for her does not make that okay for me. And, you know, right, right. um, yeah, but I mean, you know, the whole thing of like, if we're at the park, you know, me and my daughter or something and she's, you know, and she's done it before where she's like, daddy, daddy. And like, you know, another parent all whip their head over the side suddenly or, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, because there was part of me that was like, well, no, it's fine. Just, you know, just go by daddy. It's fine. You know, and then I was like, well, crap, you know, now she's going to be clocking me. And then when she gets older, it's going to be trickier. So it was important to kind of try to make that switch to mommy, which, you know, I mean, kids are pliable. I figured she'd get it and she does now. And so that's pretty good. But, but, you know, I, I mean, I have a lot of, you know, concerns about the future and everything about like picking her up from school and showing up and trying not to, you know, I mean, my mate, you know, I, so I'm blessed with some the you know, I'm short, I'm like five, six. Um, I've got a fairly feminine face. I've got large eyes. You know, I've, I've always 
looked pretty feminine you know um so luckily just kind of accentuating some of that stuff like the blonde wigs were pretty bad for the first like month and uh they clocked me pretty bad you know they're obviously fake and everything like that but you know i've got some better wigs now and like when i wear a mask at the store like you typically can't tell like i don't have prominent adam's apple (laughs) i don't have broad shoulders you know i'm fairly short so like I, I go pretty invisible now when I go out and everything, um, you know, I mean, compared because, you know, I remember catching a lot of eyes, um, you know, those that first month and I didn't care. You know, I, I was the happiest I'd ever been. I was just out there catching those eyes, you know, looking people in the eye too, like not giving a crap. But, you know, now I, I go around much more invisible. Um, but, um, you know, I, I do worry a little bit about the future. You know, I, I want to get out of Texas and get somewhere a little more liberal to where, you know, I'm not going to be, kept, you know, I don't, I fear for the day that another kid at school tells my daughter that I'm not going to get into heaven or, you know, some crap like that. Just <laughs> like, you know, that's not your mommy, that's your daddy, you know, or something, you know, um, it's a, that's really tricky. Um, but also like the, I have a, a connection with my daughter. Um, you know, it's just like, I, you know, I feel very much like her and I were like destined to meet, uh, if that makes sense. Like, you know, Uh Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a miracle in some ways, because if this had happened sooner, um, you know, we, we would never have had her probably, you know, and like, and she was born right before COVID started too. And we'd already talked like, like if, if, you know, if we had known or if COVID had already started, we would have chosen not to have one because, you know, it's, it's scary times. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, and there was like a number that's kind of like, ha- I'd say haunted me my whole life, but it's more or less like, you know, it's kind of like a Carl Jung synchronicity thing. Like I would just see this number in certain times of my life. And I, I kind of just started to take it as a sign that I was on the right path. Um, and you know, even the day, you know, the, my daughter's birthday, like has that number and stuff like that. And so like, Ooh. and then, and then my hatching day has that number too. And like, so, <laughs> you know, I kind of like say it's kind of a miracle that like, you know, out of all of human history of all the random events of all the like genetics and like, you know, the thousands of semens getting into the eggs of all my ancestors, like <laughs> it, it basically created the perfect conditions for me and my daughter to be alive at the same time and meet each other. So it's like, So I kind of just like say like, you know, she is the light in my life without which I could not see. Like I could not have become the person I am unless she had existed for me to like. So, you know, and I got a really good picture that my wife took of us walking along a bridge, you know, and like she, she took it from the back and stuff. And we're like about to get off the bridge. And I really like that picture. Cause it's like, now we're about to go, we're going to go live our lives, you know, like her and I both get to live now. So it's, you know, I could see, you know, the, the kind of thought of like, I have a child, so it's going to make transitioning way more difficult. I don't get to go like party and live my life and be like a kid at 35 again, but I'm not resentful for that. And, um, it's, it's not like a hindrance or it's not really an obstacle, um, to me in the way that it could be, I guess, to some people, um, Cause I mean, you know, and that's, I've so much guilt, you know, at first about, Oh, I'm taking my daughter's daddy away. And now I'm just like self-obsessed and I'm, I'm, you know, trying, I'm so concerned about myself, you know, I could see, you know, transitioning, needing to be a full-time personal job for a lot of people, but I've, I'm managing to really, you know, make sure she's first and that she's taken care of and, you know, emotionally and, and all that stuff, but it's not easy. I don't have as much time to, to goof off and do all my own stuff. 
I love that. I love everything you just said. That sounds so sweet. Like it's, it's sweet. It's heartfelt. Like, yes, like you, the love for your daughter and the love you have for yourself. I'm sure you're balancing out <laughs> the whole thing. Cause it's a, it's a whole change, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's so you know it's just like yeah the first thirty five years of my life you know one thing but now the next thirty five years are about to be like a whole different thing and like and yeah it's just like she's you know I know she'll be like you know right there with me and for me too it's like you know like I said like I couldn't have done it without my wife I probably couldn't have done it without my daughter either like talking without the benefit of hindsight, like, I don't know how it's going to be, but I can imagine 20 years from now looking back and be like, Nope, couldn't have done it without my daughter, you know, like, uh, cause this shit is hard. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. people have it way worse than me too. People come from Catholic family. Like I, you know, I came out to one of my friends at the beginning and I was like, when I was still unsure, I was like, you know, I think I'm trans or, you know, I'm not sure, but, but, you know, and she, or I, I should say he like was like, holy shit me too like you know i've i've always felt more like a guy and like and uh you know he's <laughs> nice. been he's been kind of starting he's you know come you know is hispanic comes from a catholic family is married you know with a kid as well um so i feel like it's way worse for him or way harder you know i've mm. got more family things to overcome has got you know he's married to a guy who's you know in, in the the culture we live in like this homophobic like oh you can't be gay and all that stuff like you know, my, my wife had to kind of struggle with her own like sexuality and this idea of like, you know, when we went out hand in hand to, you know, the store, uh, the grocery store a few months in, she was like, you know, now I understand like what this is because like now people are looking at me too. Like, like, look at that lesbian couple over there. Like, you know, it wasn't at first it was just me getting the eyes, but now it's both of us because, you know, I, I pass a little more and, um, but um but i can't you know it's got to be harder i feel like on the on the flip side oh yeah and i would love to have that person on the podcast if they're willing mm -hmm. to talk because that sounds like that person needs to talk <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah and yeah we joke that uh, you know i've i've kind of like dove right into my transition and made you know like you know a month and a half in like you know if, if i told you that i was only a month and a half in like you you might be surprised but um you know he's been, <laughs> he's been moving a little slower and i i totally get that and everything like that um but uh you know that just wasn't my path but he's you know we've he's made jokes that like well you know i still haven't really come out to myself you know um but that was mm -hmm, you know, a couple mm -hmm. months ago and he's made a lot more a lot more progress but uh, but you know things like hasn't like you know settled on a name and stuff like that um and uh, a lot of, a lot of that, I feel like, you know, and he's made comments too, is kind of for the benefit of the husband and just, you know, keeping the, you know, cohesion alive and, and stuff right. like that. Right. But, you know, my, my advice is, you know, never, you know, try to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for, for you, Linz, what is your transition look like now? Are you medically trans transitioning? Are you socially transitioning? Are you doing a combination or... Is it something else uh, as we move forward here? What are we so doing? So I guess you could say I completed my social transition a couple of months ago. Um, you know, my dad came down to visit um, for, he usually comes down like once a year and like, you know, that's, you know, him, my brother and my mom and usually his wife too will come down and they're all, you know, my mom, they all get along and everything. We all hang out and, you know, his wife and my mom will go shopping and stuff, but she didn't come down this time, but he did. And um, he was you know, I really needed to come out to him. It was one of those things it was terrifying, you know, and like, uh, you know, we live 
um, we live in the family home basically. And, uh, you know, he owns it and it's the sort of thing like, you know, we pay, pay, you know, I'd say rent, but it's really, we're paying the mortgage on this house. But like, you know, he could reserve any right to just kick me, my wife, and my daughter out of here. You know, of course I knew, you know, he never would, you know, um, but he could. And so, it, mm-hmm. you know, it was really scary about like, well, you need to wait. Uh, you don't have to, um, you know, just be a boy when he's here. But, you know, the thoughts of that were just like utterly terrifying. You know, I've got a nephew and a niece who are 12 and 14. And, um, you know, I made it a point to come out to, you know, their mom and, uh, you know, them and everything pretty early just because, you know, I, I, I had to, I could not, could not imagine remaining closeted about this. Like I, I have so much sympathy for people who go years and months just in the closet or mm-hmm, who feel like mm-hmm. they'll never come out. Like I, it was so stressful, you know, and, and the only place I'm not out is work. And that's because, you know, I do pest control and it's like, you know, I'm can't be going out to ranches and good old boys homes, you know, dressed, you know, cross-dressed or, you know what I mean? Dressed as myself and like, mm-hmm. and I don't want to wear a wig out doing that stuff anyway. So I'm kind of like, you know, looking for a job where I can truly go full time. Um, and, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finally doing applications. You know, I had to, had to quit smoking weed a few months ago just so I could get clean and have a better chance of, <laughs> of landing something. You know, and that's the thing. I've smoked weed since I was like 16 years old. And I, it's almost like a mental puberty blocker for me. It's like once I quit mm. smoking weed, um, like that's when this all really started to like come about. And it was like, you know, and then when I would get high, you know, after this all started, like I would get this horrible imposter syndrome and I would have like society's thoughts. And I'd be like, your dad's about to come down and you're going to tell him that you think you're a woman. Are you crazy? Like, you can't do that. Mm. Like these intense, like, you know, thoughts like that. And um, so I knew I was like, man, you got to just stop getting high because this is, you know, this is, you know, you're having a lot of mental wrestling when you do um so you just need to stop and but yeah i I completed you know my social transition you know i I came out to my mom you know i went over there and sat down and talked to her and she she said some things like she was you know pretty blase about it but she said some things that she probably didn't realize that were extremely hurtful like you know one of the first things she said was like well you can't you're you just look too manly it's like Thanks. But, but she <laughs> was like, no, you just, your face is too manly. And I was like, okay, well, let's not insult each other now. Um, but wait, what did you say? What did you say? I was just like, can we just not like insult each other? Like, I was like, what do you mean? I'm, yeah, I don't know. But she, you know, and another thing she said, she was like, you know, at the end, she was like, well, I just feel sorry for your, you know, for your daughter just not having a daddy. I was like, okay, well, I just got over some of that guilt, but thanks for just ripping that open for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, and and one of the things that she said towards the end was one of the most hurtful, you know, after I laid everything out for all the childhood stuff and et et cetera, she was like, just kind of sitting there in a rocking chair. And she goes, well, I just don't understand why people can't be happy about, or can't be proud of who they are. And I threw up my hands and I was like, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, and she, she got where I was coming from, but, but, and I got where she was coming from. Her point is basically, well, you may think you're a girl. You may have wished you were a girl, but you were born a boy. So you should learn to love that. That's essentially like her mm. take on transness is that, you know, and I tried to be like, well, what if you had, you were born with a penis that you didn't want, or, you know, you had to like put on a bald cap before you went to work, you know, and she'd be like, well, I just would try to learn to love that, you know, just, she, <laughs> she resisted so much. Like, you know, I just, I, you know, I just wanted to like, 
send her a cop meme where the cop has a dude on the ground that's just shouting, stop resisting. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. you were making this, you know, and I thought she'd be the easy one. Like, I thought that, you know, she'd be more understanding and accepting than my dad. Um, you know, my dad grew up in LA and stuff and, uh, you know, before he joined the military. And so he, you know, I knew he's a little, a little hippie ish and his mom is pretty hippie, but, um, but I, <laughs> I, you know, I went to school for philosophy and stuff. Um, and so I, I can write, you know, like I'm a, I'm pretty good at it and I was a, a really good writer and, you know, I never used that potential, which I, I still probably should one day. But I sat down and I decided I was going to write my dad an email, like one of the greatest letters I've ever crafted, you know, not too long, not too short, succinct to the point, assertive, like no words wasted. Um, and I sat down because he was going to be in town in like a few weeks. And so I sat down, you know, I sent him an email to that email address. I was like, hey, is this still your email address, dad? And he replied and he's like, yeah, it sure is. So the next thing I did was craft this this tactical nuke as i put it like this uh this piece this document <laughs> and uh you know did it busted it out sent it to him didn't get a reply you know for a few days goes by no reply and i and i said at the end of the email like i want you to take a day at least like take a couple of days chew on this talk to your wife um you know whatever um so i didn't get a reply and then i was just like trying to go to my mom i was like will you you know, maybe ask dad if he's gotten that email. And she was just like, no, like that's between you two. Like, you know, it can, it's going to be harder on him because, you know, he's your dad and stuff. And like, you know, like just not being supportive. And I was just like, okay, well, he's going to be here in a few days. And like, I don't even know if he's seen it, you know? Um, so I was just like, you know, way stressed out about that. And so he gets into town, um, I kind of put on, you know, my women's jeans, a tank top, and I don't, I don't have my, you know, fake breasts on or my wig or anything, but like, I'm resolved. Like I need to talk to him right away. I need to know if he's seen this email and, and for weeks I'm just struggling with this. And, you know, my friends are like, well, you need to like, just call him or send him another email, see if he's seen it. And I just couldn't, I was just so petrified. Um, but he, but he gets into town. Um, first thing I do is pull him into the backyard and I sit him down and I'm like, Hey, you checked your email? And he was just like, uh, yeah, I got, got that email. Um, you know, where you asked if this was still my email and I was like, yeah, but did you get the other email? And he was like, no, I was like, Oh God. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, so, you know, uh, I've always kind of been a woman in my mind, like, you know, and I came out to him and he sat there and listened to it. And, um, he heard everything I had to say and was just like, like, okay. And he was like, so, you know, are you happy or, you know, and I was like, yeah, like never been happier. Like, that's the one thing I want you to take away is that this is far and away the best thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, he was like, Oh, good. You know? And, um, that was that. And I went back inside, put on my, my breasts and my hair. And like, I was just like happy. Like, you know, we had, you know, my brother was there. Um, you know, I don't really get along with my brother, but he'd just gotten out of jail basically. And so it was like the first time we'd had the family all together in the house in a long time. And like, here I was my real self for the first time in front of them. And, you know, that was, it was pretty cool, you know? Um, but that's when I kind of considered my social transition to be done, you know, like, Mm -hmm, and, um, mm -hmm. and and I talked to his wife, you know, over the phone, like she was way more like intrigued by everything and probably kicking herself that she didn't come down for this visit and everything. But, um, 
but you know, and she, she was so supportive. She, um, she was like, sweetie, what do you need? And I was like, well, you know, I'm super dysphoric about my beard. Like I have this thick, dark beard and the stubble is there every day. I really want to get laser. And she was just like, well, how much? And I was like, uh, I can go talk to him and find out. And she was like, we'll do that and call me tomorrow. And I was like, all right. And, uh, yeah, she footed the bill for me to get some laser sessions done. And, um, it's been pretty huge, nice. you know? Yeah. Nice. I got, got some face done. I got my chest done once, which I'll probably do again. But, um, but yeah. And then, uh, not long after that, I found my, uh, my wife mentioned to her OB that, you know, I, I had started transitioning and her OB just like wrote down a doctor's name and number, um, in a town, a bigger city around here and was like, go see them. So I went and made an appointment, went and saw, you know, them and got started on hormones and, uh, I'm, about two months into hormones now. Yes, congratulations! Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, huge. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. But like I said, I remember when I started, I was just like, no name change, no voice change, no hormones. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it's only recently that I've actually like really chewed on the question of will I get gender, re- you know, gender affirming surgery and stuff. And I think, I think the answer is yes. It's just the kind of thing of like insurance and whether I'm financially able to like take that kind of time off work and the like, you know, my daughter probably needs to be a little older, a little more autonomous and independent. Um, and it's, you know, the ton of questions and concerns about it. You know, you got to find a surgeon that you're going to be able to like forge a relationship with because, you know, you got to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. follow ups and, you know, it's, it's not something you do willy nilly, but the thought, you know, I was just like perfectly like, Oh no, I can be a chick with a dick. It's fine. You know, I, you know, some, it's just a <laughs> sex organ. Like either you have an any or an Audi, like, um, but the more, more I've kind of like come along, the more I've just like thought about shit, I'd rather be an itty in any, but <laughs> You know, I'm not, I'm not beating myself up. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I still have a fairly healthy relationship with my organ down there. You know, I know a lot of trans Mm -hmm. girls like can't, you know, they, they cannot stand look at it. They have issues messing with it. Like, you know, cause you want to, especially if you do want the surgery, you want it to be as good and healthy, as strong as possible. Um, so that you have a good deep canal and, or uh, maybe not quite that, but you know, the, some doctors will prescribe testosterone cream before they do surgery just to make sure it's as like working as good as possible before they do it. And, um, you know, luckily I'm still able to, you know, I don't have those issues with it, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What's up cross yas listener. It's me, Giselle coming at you, wanting to ask you for your help. That's right, my desperate, broke ass needs your help, aka money. Now, you know I'm not too proud to beg. Really, I'm not too proud to beg. So I'm asking you if you could go to the crossyaspodcast.com website, scroll down, and on the sidebar, find the Ko-Fi website. Coffee? Ko-Fi? Who knows? Find the Ko-Fi website donation button and donate a measly $3, or more if you're feeling generous. I hope you are. It ain't free to run this place, podcast hosting, the website, technology, all that jazz. So your money would go a long way. So if you want to help support the podcast, well, consider donating today by again going to the crossyaspodcast.com website, clicking on the Ko-Fi donation link, and do a one-time donation or more if you're feeling generous. Because, you know, I ain't mad. The more, the merrier. And, well, it'll be me who will be merrier. Anyways, thanks for listening. Please send money. And back to the podcast.
Well, well, so I was going to ask, do you have any dysphoria? I know you talked a little bit about it earlier when you were dressed up or when you were um, Mm -hmm. uh, tied up and, you know, you saw your hair and stuff, but do you still have any more dysphoria then? Um, so Gender yeah, dysphoria, the, that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the dysphoria thing. Um, so that that was another thing that hit me about last year. You know, I've I've been overweight since I was like um, twelve or thirteen. Like I existed on online video games, drinking Mountain Dew, um, and like I said, my mom very laissez faire fed me, you know, whatever I wanted: zebra cakes, Swiss rolls, like any. Any, you know, she has no concept of nutrition. Um, so I, I was overweight when I was 12. I was about 210 pounds, you know, and at five, six, like that's pretty heavy little kid. Um, Mm -hmm. I did not start losing that weight or, I mean, I I was losing weight, you know, as I got older, I was always around 180, you know, which is technically like, I think even obese with my BMI. Um, but I consider myself like, you know, that was thin me at 180. Um, but 140 is like my target weight. And I just remember thinking, I'll never get that thin, you know. Um, but when my daughter was born, I stopped drinking beer. You know, I was always in IPAs and craft beers and stuff. Um, but my dad was a bad alcoholic. And so when she was born, there was something in me that was just like, I cannot do what my dad did to me. You know, I can't be, I can't drink, you know, period. Um and it was something that was kind of phasing out of my lifestyle anyway. So it wasn't that hard to just completely drop it. But I dropped in that year after I quit, I dropped probably just 20 pounds on just cutting out those carbs. Um, and like a year ago, I looked in the mirror and that was my first like instance of like, I don't know if you call it dysmorphia or dysphoria, but I, and I told my wife when it happened, I said, you know, I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize who was in the mirror. Like, I feel like I look gaunt or sickly or disgusting. And like, you know, I, I work outside in the Texas heat. I do, you know, I lift. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I wasn't like sickly looking. I just, I didn't recognize myself. And, um, you know, that was my first, I think, instance of like, really something was wrong. Um, but again, like repression and everything, I didn't really start feeling that dysphoria until I had experienced the euphoria. Like until I figured out what was what was right, I didn't know just how wrong, what was wrong. Um mm. You know, and like I had shaved my chest a few times and like, the you know, when the summer was starting and like the pool was opening and everything, like... You know, my chest was sh- pretty shaved close. And I remember thinking like, God, I'm going to have to grow it out because like, you know, got to have a manly hairy chest, you know, and I've got this thick hair and, and that, you know, was kind of saddened by that. Um, but, um, but no, I, I get the dysphoria pretty bad. And um, especially when I have to take my, you know, wig off and stuff. And like, you know, at the end of the night, when I take it off, I try not to look in the mirror if I can help it, but I'm not going to let it destroy me either. Um, but if I don't have to look at myself without it, I don't, but that's probably the hardest thing is seeing myself as like a a little bald man, you know, um, Mm. is extremely difficult. Um, the stubble on my chest and in my neck and everything. And luckily with the laser, it's really knocked out my neck and cheeks. Like you really can't see much of a shadow or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I realize why they call it a five o'clock shadow is like shave in the morning by five o'clock. You got that stubble showing again. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I became keenly aware of all those things. Um, once all this really started to kick into high gear. Um, so yeah, I, I still struggle with dysphoria quite a bit, you know, my feet, you know, um, like I had her do I had the laser technician do the tops of my feet just cause I was like, Oh my God, I have Hobbit feet. Like I can't show them. Like, <laughs> even if I shave them, like you can still see the stubble and, there's the little spots on the big toes and stuff. And I was like, and luckily she was just like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do your feet. I ain't going to charge you. It's fine. 
but you know, yeah, I, I definitely get the dysphoria about certain things, um, you know, certain triggers and all that. But you know, transitioning is all about like relieving the dysphoria and like managing it and letting it not like ruin your life. And you know, that's you know, I'd kind of read that about like a lot of girls start out not really having any problem at all with their genitalia or their penises or anything like that. But as they correct their bodies and move along the process you can you kind of become more aware of it just because the other stuff is more important you know um, the chest hair the the stubble um you know the eyebrow you know i have the bushiest eyebrows which you know i was told were in for the longest time and um <laughs> and i think it was on your podcast one of the early ones where you talked about threading and i was like i found a place that did the threading and it took me like a month and a half to finally pull myself in and be like no i'm gonna do this and I did, and golly, <laughs> did that help so much. Like, right, right. Yeah, it really does. Like, it feminizes your face, and, uh, you know, and luckily I have a lot of eyebrow hair to work with. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, that was huge. Like, yeah, that was, you know, so looking at myself in the mirror is much easier now. I, I look, you know, and I got some like girl glasses. You know, I, I have, you know, my guy nice. glasses that I had for a while and I finally put down the money and got some girl glasses and they look super cute and they make my face, they make everything work a lot better. Um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and the wigs and the look much, and it was finding my hair color was a thing. It's like, cause I was a little blonde kid growing up and then my hair darkened naturally as I got older, kind of a bleach, like a honey blonde sort of with like natural highlights, sort of like girls used to love my hair when I had long hair. Like it was, you know, it was gorgeous, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I wore those blonde wigs and then I kind of got a really dark brunette and then um, kind of experimented with different colors until I found the one that I was like, okay, this is, this is my hair color, you know, and, and having that, you know, kind of helps the, helps a lot the way I look in the mirror and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you've been on hormones for how long? You said two months? It's been two months? Yeah, it's almost been exactly two months. Like next nice. week is my like two month follow up and stuff. And I'm going to, you know, nice. it's, a, it's a low dose. Yeah, it's like, and, and I got the blocker I wanted. You know, a lot of girls have issues with Spiro and I, you know, I knew I didn't want that. And, um, you know, I, I already pee enough because I drink coffee and stuff. And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. want another diuretic in my diet. <laughs> um, so she put me on Bika or Bikalutamide, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was, you know, cool enough to be like, yeah, you know, that's fine. I don't, cause I know some doctors just will not prescribe that. Um, for reasons. why is that? Um, I guess, you know, there's some, you know, it's, it's used to treat prostate cancer. Um, and I guess there in the literature, there's a couple of older men who, you know, undergoing like, um, treatment for prostate cancer have died on it. Um, but mm. it's the kind of thing where they're on triple the dose, you know, they're on 150 milligrams a day. Whereas, you know, when, people you know trans people take it for 50 milligrams a day it's used mm. off, off label for transitioning which pretty much every medication is used off label for transitioning because there <laughs> there's you know it's we're so it's it's atrocious the way the the medical community like looks and treats us and everything like that um but yeah mm-hmm. basically if a if it uh, liver toxicity was what it was and so you know they were like the kind of thing like if that's even a risk and you know some doctors are like well you know if if you were the point one percent or whatever who you know get it's 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 tough but i've i've read enough and seen enough literature to where i was like i'm not you know worried about that like you know i think mm-hmm. it's kind of misrepresented um as it, as mm-hmm. the danger it is um but it's got a lot less side effects and it's one of the only things here in america that they'll use as a blocker that doesn't have you know, like Cipro is the other one. And I guess that has more uh, risk of complications with it. But um, in 
in mm. the UK or not the UK, but in Europe, they use a different blocker that's supposedly like the gold star standard. And uh, they apparently just don't either don't use it here or it's super expensive. I can't remember. I think it's super expensive and that's the problem. But, uh, but Bika, you can get off no insurance for like 15 bucks a month. Nice. So yeah, exactly. And before you went on hormones, did you have therapy? Like, did you have a gender therapist or did you, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about how you got to being, to be able, cause I'm sure people are listening to this and are thinking about transitioning or are transitioning and we're wondering what kind of process you went through to start your hormones. Um, so I wanted to, I tried to find a gender therapist, um, but we have a pretty small town here. And so when I did, we, we only have like one or two here and one of them um, got her degree from a Christian school. And so I was just like, oh. probably not going <laughs> to go to that one. Um, you know, um, but so the one I did find, you know, I wrote to and, you know, we were like, yeah, let's set it up. And I was just like, well, can I, you know, I'm kind of a writer. Can I give you just a couple of paragraphs of just like where my life has, you know, you know, let me just give you a little bio, a quick little bio, just so we can hit the ground running when I get in there for that first session. Cause you know, I don't got insurance. I don't have a lot of money. So, mm -hmm. you know, I need to make these sessions count. Like I don't, I need to skip all the 30 minutes first session of just formalities and getting to know each other. I need to hit the ground running and talk immediately about what's going on. And she was like, that's fine. So I wrote her the bio and then she writes me back and is like, I can't work with you. Like there's a conflict of interest and I, and I can't tell you what. And I was like devastated. I was like, okay. And then I got to thinking about it and I realized that um, she is, and, and I asked my sister-in-law, I was like, you know, my nephew, I mentioned, you know, my, my brother just got out of jail and that's my brother's kid. Um, he, uh, she, she had gotten him to see a therapist a few years ago and had trouble getting him to see one for a long time. Um, but that's, you know, and I put the pieces together and of course I didn't mention it to her, but that's, that's his therapist. And, and she could tell by the names I dropped in the bio and stuff. And so like, which is good. I did that because if I had gotten in there and started talking to her and dropped some of these names, she would have been like, oh crap, we can't be talking together because this is like an ethical conflict. Um, so that was pretty much uh, my one chance. Well, I mean, obviously I can do remote and stuff and go to a bigger city, but they're more expensive. Um, and I just, I just, you know, I'll do it again. I'll try again to get a gender therapist because I, I obviously very much need one, but um, I just decided to take that money that I was going to spend on her and just go to an informed consent clinic. Um, and the, the lady that my OB gave to my wife, like she practices informed consent basically. So I didn't need, um, you know, it's just a, you know, a, um, she's like a primary care for the family doctor and everything, but she's just like, you know, mm -hmm. tell me what, tell me who you are. Tell me what you are. If you seem mentally stable and healthy, I'm not going to tell you no sort of a deal. Um, and, uh, yeah, apparently it's, it's not as difficult as they want you to think it is. Um, you know, there's a subreddit, mm -hmm. I think it's ask transgender where the pinned comment is like a list of informed consent clinics in the country. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend anybody who doesn't want to do, you know, jump through hoops for a therapist for however many months for a letter, um, just go through that list and find, you know, call them and be like, look, is this a place that does informed consent? And, and I did that too. You know, I called the reception and was like, Hey, before I make this appointment, I just want to be clear. Like I am coming for X, like, is this informed consent? And she was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't even. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the process was much easier than I thought, you know, I thought it was going to be, a, you know, I, I remember, you know, I went up there with my trans friend, you know, the one who's female 
wanting to transition to male. And I just, you know, I was nervous the whole ride up and I was just like, they're going to tell me I'm not trans enough, like, you know, or something, or just be like, you know, every, every anxious thought you can have about why they would possibly deny me. And, you know, of course it was nothing like that. It was super straightforward and, you know, it's kind of, it started me off on a low dose, but I'm going to, you know, hopefully get that increased on this follow-up here next week. Mm-hmm. And, and have, how are the changes for you? You've been on it for about two months. What have you noticed? Um, you obviously, I guess you want more, but what has changed for you and your body yeah. and other um, stuff? So it's kind of tricky to say, you know, the first, you know, right at first, I, I swear I could feel like mental changes, but I'm pretty sure that's just kind of placebo and the relief of finally being, you know, having the thing and just like not having to worry about it, um, getting it and, and X and everything like that. Um, it's uh well you know my libido tanked pretty quickly um and you know you you know like a male or a, a guy may hear that and be like oh that sounds hair you know that's i hear that a lot in the community people are like oh that's why i'll never go on hormones is because i you know i love sex and i love you know being able to get an erection and everything it's like i can get erections just fine like you know it's just you gotta kind of put yourself in the mood a little bit more um but that the the driving libido like the i don't need to like you know i don't like you know, go to my wife and be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's, you know, do something like it's, it's more like (laughs) if it comes to me, that's fine, but I don't need, I don't have this need to go seek it out necessarily. Um, so it's changed a lot in my behavior and my mental life, as far as like needing to get like sexual urges out and everything like that. Um, in a, in a really good way though, I feel more just like chill, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feel more like a person, I guess, like, and less like a, you know, like I, I gotta, you know, these moon cycles or whatever that like, you know, I gotta, I gotta get this out. I gotta find, you know, a couple to play with, or I gotta do this or that. Like, I still want to do that stuff, but it's not like I have to do that stuff. And, um, so that's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, that's, I know that's like the first thing a lot of people get, and that's either from maybe, maybe not from the estrogen, but from the blocker too. Um, but um, the thinning of the the arm hair I've noticed, and, and it's tough to say, I should have taken better pictures. And I did take some pictures of my body on my first day of hormones to compare as I go through. But my arm hair does not grow as dark. Like I get more of those light hairs, the vellus hairs or whatever. Um, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like really fast because I thought that really wasn't supposed to start to a little bit more down the line. But like, yeah, it's like I was shaving my arms. I felt like more often and now like looking at them like. I'll get, I'll have some dark hairs growing here and there, but it's mostly the lighter ones. And like, that is so dope. Like, nice. uh, Yeah. yeah, Even my legs, like, um, here and there, like they, they're not all as dark and thick as they seem to be before. And, um, like I said, it's, it still seems like too early to have those kind of changes, but you know, I, I seem to, um, no, no, like breast growth or anything like that. Um, the bre- the I have like some of those like fake breasts that you get off Amazon for like forty bucks. They're um, they're I mean they look mm-hmm. they quote unquote look real. They're like teardrop shaped. Um, they got some weight to them. Like they like jiggle and stuff if you like walk downstairs. Um, but I found those a little more difficult to wear uh, for longer periods of time and like a little bit of tenderness maybe. Um, but not like. I don't have like breast buds or anything, or I don't think my like nipples have like gotten puffy or ultra sensitive Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, But uh, so it's hard to say 
too many what the changes are, especially because it's so slow and it's, you know, and, and most of the real changes aren't going to like, you know, they're not going to happen all at once and they're going to happen more like six months, eight months, a year in, especially when my estrogen dose goes up and hopefully I'll switch to injections one day and then, you know, progesterone and all that. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's dope. I love it. Um, it's just like, it's kind of like, I heard it compared to like, getting the testosterone kind of out of your system is like cleaning out the gas tank on your old car and, and putting in like premium, you know, it's like getting the right gas in there finally. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Hold on. Let me, let's say that's take a break. So we've yeah, yeah, yeah. Break. And that's part one of my curious convo with Linz. Stay tuned for part two. And finally the miscellany. Yes! Hope you enjoyed part one of my curious combo with Lynn's. I hope you found something you could relate to. Perhaps you're a parent like her. Perhaps you're struggling with hormones or or maybe you even have some dysphoria. I don't know. Regardless, I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you did too. I'll be back next week with part two and I hope you have a great week. Haven't said this in a while, but remember when it comes to your cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender issues, no one cares as much as you do. So do whatever you want, wear whatever you want, and be whoever you want within reason. Because as long as you're not hurting anyone with your cross-dressing sexuality and or gender presentation, why does it matter? Live your life to the fullest, authentically, and on your terms. Because, well, life's way too short not to. Be kind to yourself and one another, and try to live your life with balance and without regret. I hope you, cross Yas listener, realize that you are loved by me and this podcast. Even though, you know, I'm not here that often. But still, please let me know what you need so I can help you succeed. And another friendly reminder, if you enjoyed what you heard this week, remember to share this episode and the Cross Yas podcast with someone else. Because if you found any of what you just heard helpful, imagine what this podcast could do for someone else. That's all for this week's episode. And until next time, as always, keep it fresh, stay blessed, and remember, you're gorgeous. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. Mm-hmm.